Balaam meant to curse God. And part of the scriptures is Balaam cursing God. And if you notice, I brought the prayer shawl and how beautiful it looks. And it's sort of a cream color. And so we brought our, our Torah. One of the, we have a, a large Torah scroll, but we brought the smaller one. And for you just to look at and take pictures. But when Balaam meant to curse God, and then you saw all the tents of Israel, he wanted to bless Israel. God forced him to bless Israel. You know, you know the tents are sort of raggedy looking. But when the Jewish men and the Jewish boys came out with their prayer shawls, and by the hundreds of thousands, this cream-colored type of blue and cream-colored blue, he said, and, and it became a song to us, even though he said the words. How goodly are thy dwelling places, O Jacob, thy sanctuaries, O Israel. Amen? you imagine being forced as a sorcerer and as a necromancer and a witch of all the Middle East and being forced, you're going to bless my people. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. So man can say no, but God says yes. Amen. So I want, to, I want you to turn to your Bibles, the chapter 1 and chapter 2. And I just want to go over that the, the scripture says in Bereshit, in, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters. And as it continues to go on, that on verse 4, it says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and so the evening and the morning were the first day. So in Jewish reckoning of time, you go by a solar calendar, October, Octavian, uh, July, Julius Caesar, you see what I'm saying? August, Augustus Caesar. And so you have this mindset that the solar calendar, you know, we wake up in the morning, you have your, your carnitas, ooh, you know, you have your enchiladas, tacos and burritos, you have the, you know, el rancho, rancho sauce, whatever you do, you know. You get up in the morning, you have your coffee, and out the door you go. So you go by a morning to evening, but the Hebrew calendar for the Jews, we go by a lunar calendar by evening to morning. And so, the, so the God gave a covenant to Adam and Eve. And as we understand Adam and Eve and, and all that they went through, you know, and then they walked away from the Lord, you know, and the temptation and the fall of man, that we, every one of us in this room, is child, or they're the children of Adam. Do you agree with me? We're all children of Adam. If, you, if you're not, then you're, uh, uh, you're part of the UFO, you know, something's wrong. We're looking for a third eye or something, you know. So I want you to look at chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And after the temptation, the scripture tells us that despite this terrible thing that happened, the Lord spoke to the person who was the tempter. And he said, who told us that... Adam and Eve, who told you that you were, you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I have commanded you that you should not eat? Then man said, the woman beguiled me. And here we go. 
And then she gave me of the tree, and, I, and then I ate, which means I was responsible. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Because you have done this, the scripture talks about and speaks to, and is speaking to Satan. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than Every beast of the field. Might want to turn that off. And you shall eat dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and he shall bruise his heel. So here we have the scriptures. Here we have the scriptures as a record that the Lord. When the Messiah comes, when the Mashiach comes 2,000 years ago, this was a prophecy that the Lord would deal with Satan once and for all by defeating death and crushing his head. Every single one of you who became a child of Abraham grafted into the promises and on your journey, when you accepted the Lord in your life, you rejected the snake, you rejected Satan, and you have accepted the most important person of all, the God of Israel, and he has redeemed you and set you free so that you can journey to your destination. Amen? I want you to... And because Satan deceived Adam and Eve, I want you to go all the way to the New Covenant documents. All the way to the New Covenant. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Come on. 1 Corinthians 15. You know your Bible. And if you haven't got a Bible, look on to somebody else's, all right? I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49. Very important. You there? Say amen if you're there. Okay. As it is written, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Who's the last Adam? Amen. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward is the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is a heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. The final victory has come. So we are children of Adam, but we have been completed as children of Adam because we have accepted the spiritual Adam who has come, Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. When I say Yeshua, I'm saying basically salvation. Yeshua's name, when they called him and spoke to him, they called him Yeshua. The English translation is Jesus. You know him as Jesus. So now, we, now that we've done that, we want to switch over, go a little further ahead, and now we want to go to the, not the Adamic covenant, but now go to the Noetic covenant. So I want you to turn all the way back to Genesis again. Go all the way back to chapter 8. Would you do that? Chapter 8 of Genesis. Go all the way back. I hear the swishes of pages. That means that you've gotten your Bible. So we're going to go all the way back to chapter 8. And after the destruction, after the ark was done and so forth, and all of mankind's destroyed, we want to focus on 
chapter, 20, chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. Would you turn to it? No, no, the Lord delivers Noah. We, know, we had the whole story. You know about the beast and everything that came out of the ark. But let's focus upon the covenant that God gave. This is the Noetic covenant. Chapter 8, verses 20 through 22. And then the Lord built an altar to the Lord and took up every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. And the Lord smelled the smoothing aroma. Then the Lord said to him in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of men's hearts are evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Look at me. We're children of Noah. Did you know that? There was how many? Hardly any people left. But yet now we're children of Noah. So, so the Noetic covenant is our covenant. Our journey has went from Adam, right? Now we went to Noah, right? Amen? Somebody say amen. Oh, they're there. Okay, there you are. Now we're children of Noah, and we have this as a, a that the Lord will never destroy this planet by a flood. Again, the whole world was flooded. That he promised he will never, even though he knows that we're imperfect, he will never destroy you. Listen, let me say that. I said this last week, and you need to say it to yourself and to your neighbor. The Lord's not mad at you. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad? Oh, grafted in ones that the Lord is not mad at you, that he loves you. How many know that we're, we're all sinners? That we've all sinned, amen? We're, every single one of us is messed up. So we can't go, yeah, but you. Oh, but you, but yeah, but no. no, every one of us has sinned against the Lord. Even Noah was a drunk. Did you know that? Noah was a drunk. And yet the Lord used him because he was more righteous than his whole generation. Now, his whole generation were pretty evil. But considering the fact, even though Noah had a problem with drinking, he still was more righteous than everybody on the planet. Problem with Noah is that he never prayed for his generation. The Lord saved him, but he never prayed. So look what it says uh, in uh, chapter 9, verses 1. Look at verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now I want you to look at verse 13. And it says... Look at verse 12. Uh, excuse me. Verse 11. I beg your pardon. 9 verse 11. Then I established my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And the Lord said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you, every living creature that is, that is with you for perpetual generations forever. I set my rainbow in the clouds, and it shall be for a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Look at verse 17. And God said to Noah, this is of the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth perpetually. That means every single person in here, every time that you come before the Lord, this actual scripture becomes a reality. That the Lord is speaking to you as well that you are a child of Noah. And he says, when you see the rainbow in the clouds, 
It's my promise that I'm not going to destroy you. Wow. You mean he did that not just for... It's just perpetual. That means every generation, that rainbow still there, isn't it? Don't you love it when you see a rainbow? Woo-hoo. But it's a promise that the Lord won't flood the earth. So we're children of Noah as well. But remember, Noah never prayed for his generation. Now we're going to jump to chapter 12. Just skip over to chapter 12, just a few chapters. And the nations are descended from Noah, the Tower of Babel, become the Shem's descendants. Then we come to Terah's descendants, which also was of Avram. Avram was a Persian from Persia before he became a Jew. Did you know that? Isn't it interesting that Iran hates Israel more than anything else? And Israel has more issues with with what? Who? Iran more than anybody else right now? But there's this spiritual connection because Abraham, before he became a Jew, because of his faith and believing in him, he came from the area of Iraq and Iran. Look at verse chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. 1 through 3. Now the Lord has said to Avram, Get out of your country from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in all you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When you bless the Jewish people, God blesses you. When the nations of the earth curse the Jewish people, you're going to get cursed. You think bad stuff about the Jews, whether they're at fault or not. You know, the scripture says it's like poking your finger into the eye of God. You don't want to do that. But there's something more here. Look at what it says in verse 2. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. The word Hebrew word make in English translated to the Hebrew is the word Asa, say that, Asa, A-S-S-A-H, you can write it down, A-S-S-A-H. Asa in Hebrew, that's the Hebrew transliteration, means to be a recreated spirit, or in your language, are you ready? Are you, have your seatbelt on, born again. Amen? Are you telling me that Abraham was spiritually recreated before God did anything with him? Hmm? He was born anew? Hmm? He was born again? Hmm. Absolutely. And so we have this, this story of Abraham. Now, do you remember that I got to just sneak this in because I'm running out of time already. I hope you're giving me a few more minutes, Pastor. Please. You know, that... Do you remember the part when in chapter 18, when the, I think it's chapter 18, when the three angels came from uh, out of nowhere? There was these three angels that came, and one was called the Lord, and they began to prophesy that she was going to be with child. And, that, uh, and the scripture talks about that they were getting a kick out of it because they were old in age. They were old, old people. But in the Hebrew tradition, the Bible says that the king of Abimelech and the king of Pharaoh kidnapped her on two different occasions. Now, folks, now look, there's a lot of beautiful women in here. Ladies, you're just beautiful beyond measure. But can you try to see a king who, who's in the habit of stealing good-looking women and killing all the men 
looking at Sarah in her late 80s going, oh, what a knockout. Because, you know, ain't going to happen, okay? But in the Hebrew tradition, when she laughed, it wasn't because she went, ah, ha, ha, I don't believe that. And mockery, like Christianity and tradition says, no, she laughed because her body became like the beautiful women in this room. Smooth and beautiful and gorgeous. And he became virile. He became a, you know, machismo male, you know. You know, I don't know what you, am I using the right terms, guys? Machismo, you know. I don't know. And I, you know. Or as one Pat, one of the brothers said to me, what's going on, essay? Did I say it right? See, I learned something, huh? But the point is, is that he became good looking. She became beautiful. And so even though they were old age, they were good looking. That's why they, God kept the covenant of Avram, of Abraham, and changed her name to Sarai and also to Abraham. Instead of just, you know, uh, a person of, of uh, a, a, great, a great father to a father of many nations. And the reason why we know that, and I just want you to just bear with me, look at chapter 15, just turn your page to chapter 15, and the Lord reaffirms this commitment to the land of Israel. Let me tell you something. Part of the covenant that you have made as goals grafted into the promises of Israel, part of that covenant is that one day, even though the land has been given to the Jewish people, and this, it says this here, if you're grafted into the household of Israel, you're going to make access to the land of Israel as those grafted in. So that means, will you get a chance to go to Jerusalem someday in the millennium? How many, how many know that you're going to? Amen? You're going to. I want you to look at the text of Scripture to where it says, chapter 15, verses 9 through 13, real quickly. And he said, bring me a three-year-old heifer. This is the Lord is saying this. To... To Avram, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all this to him and cut them in two down the middle. And in, Jewish, in, in Middle Eastern tradition, you cut the animals in half and the blood would flow down and you'd get the blood all over your hands. And then you would say to the guy you're making covenant with, may you keep your covenant with me. And then he would say, may you keep your covenant with me. But then they would also say to each other, May you be like these animals cut in half if you don't keep your covenant. Well, God made a covenant with Abram. Look what it says. And then the vultures came on the carcasses. as Abraham drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, a horror and a great darkness up upon him fell. And verse 13, then he said to Abram, Now certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. This is a prophecy regarding the being uh, serving the Egyptian pharaohs. And also, the nation whom they serve, I will judge. The Egyptians were judged on, and we, with the story of Passover. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your father in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Then we get to the text, which is so exciting. And it came to pass. 
When the sun went down and it was dark, and behold, there was a smoking oven and a burning torch that God passed between these animals. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I give this land. Look what it says. The land from the river Egypt, the Nile, all the way to the Euphrates. That's a lot more land than what the, what the Jewish people have today, right? Right? Oh, come on, look at your textbook. It says, to the Nile River in Egypt, all the way to the Euphrates, where Iraq is. All that land belongs to the Jewish people. It doesn't make any difference who there's there. He said, you will wander in a land that is not yours. Basically, the land was his, but he would wander until his descendants would take over that land. Now, I want you to turn your page again, and I want you to look at the sign. Not only did God confirm that, by a, the sacrifices of animal sacrifices, but he also was going to give them a sign, a physical, personal sign. This is what separates us from the rest of the world. I want you to look at chapter 17, verse 9. And God said to Abraham, now he's the father of many nations, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. Now look at me. Are you a child of Abraham by faith? Are you, I'm looking on this side. Now, you're grafted in, right, because of the blood of Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. Are you, are you grafted in? Amen. Well, it says, then you are to keep the covenant of God. He'll keep his bargain, but you are required to what? Keep the covenant. What does keep the covenant mean? Righteousness is God's unmerited favor. Amen. How many know you can't add to God's righteousness? Anybody here? Somebody say amen. Okay, oh, there you are. Okay, how many know that you can't add to God's righteousness, right? But in holiness, what is holiness? God's unmerited favor. Amen? God's unmerited favor. So that means what is being sanctified for the master's use? Being sanctified for the master's use is what we call holiness. And so when you are being holy, that means you're cooperating with God and you're obeying his commandments. Now, that's not righteousness. But the only way people are going to see you righteous and see the righteousness in you is that you do what the Lord says. John, the epistle of John says, if you say you know him, amen, amen, but you don't keep his commandments, there he says, ready, word for word, you're a liar, and the truth is not in you. So if you tell me I've walked with the Lord for 20 years, and then you don't want to walk anymore with him, then, you know, then you, you become a liar, and the truth is not in you. It doesn't matter what age you are, how long you've known or whatever. Every day is a gift. Every day we are to obey him and trust in his ways. Amen? Okay, now, it says, Abraham, as for you shall keep the covenant, you and your descendants, after you forever, Throughout their generation, this is my covenant which you shall keep. Between you and your descendants after you, every male child among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. It shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child of your generation, he who is born in your house or brought with money from any stranger who is not in your descendants, you shall be circumcised. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall be circumcised. Verse 13. And my covenant shall be in, in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. What does everlasting mean? For forever. 
And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of your force, that person shall be cut off from the people. He has broken my covenant. So, in other words, it's absolutely essential that you must be, as a Jew, you must be circumcised. Every male child. A woman goes to a water baptism, and so does a male, but the male must be circumcised on the eighth day. Or if you are brought up secular, it doesn't matter, you have to be circumcised. Now, the reason why that's so important that people are trying to change that today is that, listen, you have to, both all of you in this room, even though you weren't born a Jew, you must be spiritually circumcised in your heart. You must have the old life torn away and make a new life before the Lord. Are we mature here today? It's important to look at your neighbor and saying, all the old life has been torn away. Amen to that? Amen? How many know that that's... So this is important that the Jewish people had this established in the physical as children of Abraham. And now you have been grafted into the, the covenants of promise. Now... What does the Davidic covenant have anything to do with this? Yes. I want you to turn to the scriptures. I want you to turn to uh, 2 Samuel. Or actually just write down 2 Samuel. Write it down, 2 Samuel, the entire chapter. But I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles. Write down 2 Samuel, the whole chapter. This has everything to do with the Davidic covenant. How many know that Yeshua had to be part of the Davidic line? You become the Messiah. Amen? So in 2 Chronicles 6, look at chapter, chapter 6 of 2 Chronicles. Would you please turn to it? Verses 12 through 16. Come on now. Say amen. Chronicles, uh, if you're not sure where it is, look for Samuel and then King and then Chronicles. We're at 2 Chronicles chapter 6, 12 through 4, 16. Then the Lord, then Solomon Chapter, again, chapter 6, verse 12. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the congregations. This is the rebuilding. So, uh, King Solomon is building the, the, holy, the holy temple. Congregation of Israel spread out his hands, for Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubics long, five cubics broad, and three cubics high, and had set it in the midst of the court, and he stood on it, knelt on it on his knees before all the congregation of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you, who you keep your covenant and mercy with your servants. Ooh. Oh, I like that. Who walk before you with a whole heart. Look at me. David walked before the Lord with a whole heart. Did he sin? Oh, yeah, he killed his best friend to shack up with his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's pretty bad. You know, it doesn't go over too well, is it? But, the, but he repented of his sins, and the Lord continued to use him. Look what it says again. There is no God in heaven or on earth like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your who? Say shamish. Shamish in Hebrew is servant. And mercy with your servants who walk before you with what kind of heart? With your whole heart. So since you're children of Abraham and you're on this journey, what kind of a journey should you have? A journey that is full of your whole heart. People are not going to change unless they see that you have changed in the supernatural. 
and the supernatural. Now, I want you to turn to Jeremiah. Keep going. Just keep going on your Bible. Jeremiah 31. The Torah, the prophets and writings, predict that a new covenant was going to come. I want you to turn to chapter 31 of Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34. Chapter 31, not Chronicles. We're going to, we're going to go past that. Chapter 31 of Jeremiah, verses 31 through 34. And it says here, and would you just follow along with me? I just love this scripture. Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord, when I will make a what? Oh, a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and bring them out of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Are you say, Look at your neighbor and say, I'm grafted in. I'm a child of Abraham by faith. Okay, let's, let's finish the rest. Saith the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall what? Be my people. So that means not only to the Jews who believe in the Messiah, they're still God's chosen people. Jewish people are still God's chosen people, but not all of them are children of promise. Amen? You're, are we children of promise? Yes. So we need to understand that as you who are grafted in on this journey that you're going, God has chosen you to be a part of a holy nation. Yeah, that's worth a clap. That's worth a clap. And finally, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. We're almost done. The book of Acts. I love this because the first 3,000 people who believed in Yeshua, Jesus, were all Jews. Amen? We call them the sect of the Nazarene. Say that. The sect of the Nazarene. Why? Because they believed in a man from Nazareth. Acts chapter 2, would you look at it? Verses 1 through 4. Ready? Now when the day of Shavuot, Pentecost, had fully come, this is the day of Pentecost, a Jewish feast day, they were all with one accord in one place. This was not in a little room, folks. This was in the holy temple because Jews were required to be there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and they and sat on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of holiness, and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Look at, look at this. Are you excited? Because this is you. Later on, the Gentiles would come to faith, but all the people that we're talking about here that are getting saved are Jews, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. So what we're seeing here is God moving, his, the, you would say the church was formed, but the, what you might call it the, the Nazarene sect, the, Jew, the Orthodox Nazarene Jews begin at this very place. And then later on, the Holy Spirit would fall upon the Gentiles. Look at it real quickly. Look at chapter, chapter 2, verse 36. Real quick, let's look at it. Same chapter. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter 
And the rest of the apostles says, men and brethren, what shall, and they said, men and men, what shall we do? Then Peter said to him, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Yeshua the Messiah for the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. Who's afar off? We learned last week is the Gentiles. Are you afar off? Anybody here? Boy, Those who are near are the Jews. Those who are far off are what? The Gentiles. But you who are far off are been brought near, according to Ephesians chapter 2. So you're no longer afar off. So what he says, afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And then it goes, look at real quickly the verse 44 through 49, real quickly. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possession and goods and divided them among them, all as everyone had need, so continually daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food in gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the believing community daily those who were being what? Saved. What was Abraham doing? He got Asa, what? Born again. Amen. So here we're seeing the same terms. Finally, the last check, our last portion of scripture is, turn to it real quickly. Chapter, um, chapter 10, actually there's two. Chapter 10, verse 34 through 36. Chapter 10. Okay, ready? And the following day they entered Caesarea. This is Peter and some other fellows. Now Cornelius, Gentile, who was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends, as Peter was coming to Cornelius, met him and fell down to his feet and worshipped him. So Peter lifted him up saying, Stand by, I am myself, I'm just a man. And as they began to talk, he said, You know, it's not right for me to be with you. And so if you look real quickly at verse 44, and they began to talk and preach to them about Yeshua. Look at verse 44. A lot of people were there. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. These are Gentiles. And those of the circumcision were believed were astonished in as many as came to Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they have heard them speaking tongues and magnifying God. Then Peter said, can anyone forbid them from then should be baptized and have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. This is the beginning of the Gentiles who believe. This is the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2 is not the beginning of the church. This is the beginning of the Nazarene sect. But here is the beginning of the church where Gentiles were being added to the kingdom of God. Later on in Acts chapter 15... I just want to turn to that. You'll forgive me. I've got to just turn to it. Look at Acts 15 real quickly. They were arguing and complaining. They, they were, by the way, there were Pharisee, There were Pharisees who believed. The scripture says there were Pharisees who believed. And we have this as a record. Look at verse 13. And they're arguing and complaining of the Jerusalem council. And then... James was the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, was the head of the Jerusalem council. He was the head of everything. And, you know, when he had a word, 
when you know you may argue and complain all you want but but Pastor Edgy has the final word, amen, because he's the head elder. Well, James was the head of all the Jerusalem council, and Paul and Barnabas and all of them were submitted to him. And after they, in verse 13, had begun silent, after they, somebody said, look at that, James, shh, 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 he's going he's gonna to say something. This is how it was. There was that kind of respect. James answered saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God in his first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Look at your neighbor saying, God has chosen to be a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophet agreed, just as it is written. And after this, I will return. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I will set up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, saith the Lord, who does all these things. God has called you to his kingdom. God has called you to his kingdom. Known to God from eternity and all his works, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those who are among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has been teached from every generation and is taught in, in the synagogue from the Sabbath, so forth, so on. So in other words, there's certain basic things that you're not supposed to do in to avoid anything of paganism. So why? So that the Jewish people and that those who were Gentile could worship the Lord together. That's one of the requirements of me. I can't come to you if you're going to be killing animals and doing idolatry and then say you're a believer. So I, that, would be, that would be, there's no fellowship there. True fellowship is that you deny all paganism and come to know the Lord. Amen. So in closing with this, I just want to encourage you Ephesians, we go back to the last scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22, says that you have become part of the household of God. You are a part of that household. You are part of the household of God. Do you understand? It says here real quickly, now therefore, say that, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the Jewish saints and members of the household of God. Being, being built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth, himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple to the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. You are a part of that holy building of the Lord. So, close your Bible. Close your Bible. Do you understand... Sorry for being taking a little, little extra time. This is so critical. You're on a journey, but you have been a part of every, every, all the covenants you're a part of. Every single covenant you're a part of. You are a part of it, Adamically. You are a part of it, Noetically. You are a part of it, Abrahamically. You are a part of it, Davidically. Because even though you're not part of the Davidic line, spiritually you still are what? A kingdom of priests before the Lord. Amen. And then finally, in the new covenant, you are been grafted into and believe in the same Jewish Messiah that I do. We are one family together. Amen. Would you raise your hands and close your eyes before the Lord? Father, we thank you. I, I don't even, we've gone through this so fast. But we have such 
an incredible destination. But we also are on this enormous, wonderful journey, and we need to study to show our self-approval, work but not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have this incredible journey to the Jewish people who believe, and even though the Jewish people who need to be saved in the future, we thank you that you're going to do that. But we also know we have friends and family that need to be grafted into the promises of Israel. We pray, Lord, that you would do this. That you draw us together to realize the enormous Abrahamic covenant that you have given to us. We are so rich in so much. This we pray in your name. Amen. Pastor, would you come? Aren't you glad you're on a journey? Aren't you? Aren't you glad you're here? This is not a service. This is a lifestyle. Thursday night is not a service. Thursday night is a lifestyle. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's all stand tonight, church. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed.